Welcome to Series 3, Episode 7 of The Effect Podcast. Woe to the man whose heart has not learned to hope. You, Matthew? My name's Matthew. <laughs> You're Matthew, and I'm Dave, and I... I was I doing a dramatic pause No, you weren't. You were, I can't... I, I don't wish to reveal the, the the number of takes it's taken to get us this far for the opening of the uh, the podcast, but it's about four. Um, <laughs> anyway, in our lovely episode today, it is four. We've got we've got the world of gaming as usual. We've got a few things to talk about there. Um, certainly, I think there's some stuff there that Matt wants to talk about, and a announcement from Free League as well. Then, Matthew, you're going to talk to us about Correction Colony G71B, an alien location, which might bear some um, relevance and importance to the third item on our agenda today, which is going to be dragon meat. That's uh, a few weeks away. We are going to be there. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, about dragon meat, so I'll, uh, I shall leave that uh, till a bit later. Then, we're not talking just about dragon meat and alien today, so I am doing the next in our series of Why Play uh, episodes. And today I'm going to be talking about why you should play... Things from the Flood, a game that I think has perhaps not got as much attention as it, well, it certainly deserves, but have a listen to that a bit later on. And then we'll talk about our episode next time, which is going to be an Alien special, but more on that at the end of the show. Yes, and we've got a lot to get on with, so let's get straight into the world of gaming. Yeah. Uh, I'm pleased to say that having not backed uh, the Bitter Reach, I've now... Pledged for it on Pledge Manager, so uh, excellent. Torch of that coming. Good, um, good. And and another another thing that I I didn't back, but there's still if you, if you're willing to back on Kickstarter, there's still a project you might want to hear about. You'll you'll know that Dave and I are fascinated with Western games, and still trying to find or or make the perfect one. Uh, and on that on that called... note, I did some work on that this week, so I'm trying to. Draw together the stuff we talked about a few weeks ago. So, um, but yeah, oh, anyway, excellent. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're, ha- we're having a look at that and um, uh, and move forward on that. But um, yeah, Haunted West is Haunted a game West. by Chris Spivey, and if you've heard that name before, Chris Spivey did the excellent supplement for Trail of Cthulhu and for Call of Cthulhu called um, uh, called Shadows Over Harlem, and. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. This Western is, uh, Haunted West, is set in, as so many, frankly, too many Westerns are, actually, Mm. set in an alternative Wild West. And it's got monsters in, which I I don't really want monsters in my Western. But the important thing for me is it's representative in that it does have um, multiracial cowboys in it. And given that actual history... Has multiracial cowboys in it. Uh, I'm I'm quite keen to support it. That's something that you're, uh, you're you like to see, isn't it, Matthew? I think that's one of the things that we're keen on for um, for our version uh, of Wild West game is is to make it a little bit well, more realistic. It's probably whitewashed. Yeah, um, and a little bit trying to recreate what it might have felt like a bit, rather than you know we're certainly not going to have any monsters and werewolves. Um, no. So, so I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I hesitate to use the phrase gritty or realistic because it won't be realistic. It might be gritty in the sense that 
uh, bad things can happen very quickly, as obviously you know was the case for for people in the real worst. But um, yeah, that's that's the kind of thing we're aiming for. Yeah, something, something it's going to be a bit less like a Western filmed in the nineteen fifties. It's a bit less pulpy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's got uh, at the time of recording seven days to run. So we're hoping to get this out this episode out quite soon. So do check that out on Kickstarter. Yeah. Now, as you know, I. I can't back that because I'm I'm not wanting to give Kickstarter any of my money at the moment. But there was something that came out which was a very short Kickstarter campaign, but I think it's worth mentioning. It's called Ten Workers United. Ah, yeah. And it was a Kickstarter campaign for a role-playing game that was published specifically in support of the people that are looking to unionise Kickstarter. And it's called Ten Workers United because it's... It's based on a game that I know is one of your favourites, uh, which is Ten Candles. Yes. Yeah, that's a... Oh, yeah. I've talked about Ten Candles a lot before, but it's great. If you, if you haven't played it, go and get it. It's brilliant. Cool. And um, uh, check out Ten Workers United when it gets published as well. Uh, you've got to say, um, you know, in Kickstarter's defence, they could have refused to have this on their website, but they, you know, they did let it go on their website and it raised money. But then, today... And we're we're writing this or we're recording this on the twenty fifth. Uh, today, Free League made an announcement. They did. Um, well, a much a much heralded one actually about uh, their new game Versen, which is uh, how can we describe it? A uh, sort of mid eighteenth century, mid nineteenth century, nineteenth century Sherlock Holmes, eighteen hundreds Sherlock Holmes yeah. meets. Um, uh, not Cthulhu specifically, I don't think, but it, it, it's it's right into that Nordic. Very specifically, um, not Cthulhu, but, no, but, but Nordic folklore. N- Nordic folklore, Nordic sort of supernatural, um, uh, yeah, supernatural um, sort of mythology, really. And um, I mean, I, I haven't looked at it, into anything of it, but there was always uh, one thing that my wife used to talk about because with Halloween coming up, they the they have a uh, a, a witch um, tradition in Sweden called Blorkula. Um but this happens in April rather than in October and you're supposed to be able to see all the witches flying off to their coven where they basically get smashed and get spliffed and work out all the evil things they're going to do for the rest of the year which probably isn't very much seeing they'll spend the rest of the year getting over the hangover and um, getting, getting <laughs> over all the drugs but it's a it's an interesting little insight into um uh, sort of the Swedish tradition. Now, I've got no idea whether Versen is going to cover any anything like that, but um, uh, I, for one, am really interested by by this idea. Yeah, and it's going to be another beautiful book because yet again, it's based on a on a book that's already been published, and that's a book of folklore. Um, I should have made note of the the artist that's it's, illustrated uh, it. Johan Ergerkrantz. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so. The illustrations are going to be gorgeous for this. Um, I think I'll definitely be looking into that. And again, uh, Free League are going to be... They are going to be kick-starting it. The campaign starts on the 5th of November. But if you're not wanting to give money to Kickstarter at the moment, then there will be an alternative way of pledging for it. Yep. And uh, Free League have... Um, will have a statement on, on the campaign in support of the people looking to unionize yeah excellent yeah look forward to seeing that um are you gonna back that matthew uh one way or another i'm sure i shall yes yeah cool excellent and i encourage uh anybody and everybody out there to to do the same 
We know what uh, what great stuff Free League can. Uh, well, not can. Yes, it will produce, be good. I do mean, produce. I mean, everything they produce is just is just spot on, really. Yeah, there's a guarantee of quality. It there is. Now, yeah. now we've we've seen all these various things coming out. I look back on that innocent time when you persuaded me to join late on the Kickstarter for Coriolis. Yeah. And I haven't been disappointed since. <laughs> See, I do. You know, I do make some sense sometimes. You know. Sometimes, but very rarely. <laughs> often, now, often, last year, often, often enough to get a reference on the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> I appreciate. I appreciate your comments. About a year ago, yes. I want to talk about the fabulous thing we did at Dragon Meat, which was the Grindbone Tournament. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do indeed. Oh yeah, it's, well, it was, it was, uh, you know, my idea, uh, brilliantly pulled off by the uh, Effect Podcast team. Um, yeah, it was great, and so good, in fact, that uh, the Free League guys decided to run it themselves at Gothcon. Um, in the April, right. So there've been two Grindbone tournaments so far. They have, they have. Yeah, and, they, they were um, both Forbidden Lands ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this year at Dragon Meat, we're going to be doing the same thing again. We are, but we need to update it, don't we, David? We do. And your idea to update it was an excellent one, Matthew. Um, update, yes, updating it all the way to twenty-one eighty-three. Now, no prizes for guessing what game this might be referring to. Yeah, so this is no longer uh, the in the Forbidden Lands. This grind bone, this grind bone is somewhere out in space where no and... one can hear you scream. Oh God! <laughs> give it away! Give it away! <laughs> anyway, we're in the middle of map making and and creating the arena for this tournament, and I thought people might like to hear a little bit about the history of grind bone. 2183. The correctional detention colony on the heavy moon, G71B, has a reputation. It is built along the panopticon principles of Victorian prisons, modified for life support controlled closed systems. A secure observation and administration block sits at the centre of three, in this particular case, wings of the facility. Kitchens, Eating areas and all other communal facilities are on the upper floor, with the cells themselves on lower levels, cut out of the unforgiving rock of G71B. Each wing is entirely self-contained with its own life support system. There is one way in and out of the wing, and that is through the core. Once past the security lock into the core, prisoners mostly head down into the mines where they earn their keep. Rarely they head up into the administrative block, but that is usually only to visit one of the infirmaries when they are injured. They never get into the panopticon itself. The large, multi-level control room with screens that can peer into every aspect of a prisoner's life and large, plexiglass windows that afford a clear view down the length of all the communal areas of each wing. On G71B... The views offered by this design have inspired the guards to create a novel spectator sport. Every third week, after the inmates are locked safely in their cells, the wing's guard patrol tours the wing, hiding a number of basic weapons in locations scattered about the wing. 
Then, once the guards are safely back behind the bars and plexiglass windows of the observation block, lots are drawn, and five random cell doors open. Prisoners new to the facility are often reluctant to leave their cells and explore the wing if theirs is one of the cells that opens. But if they choose to stay in their bunks, they soon learn the error of their ways. A more experienced prisoner will eventually charge into the cell and beat them in their beds until they are broken. If your cell door opens in the middle of the night and you are wise, you will quickly leave this dead-end trap and search for one of the hidden weapons. For the next guard patrol will only happen after at least three prisoners have been broken. Deaths are rare and the injured prisoners are taken to the infirmary. The winning prisoners have learned that if they return to their cells quietly, they will have earned trustee privileges from the guards. If they don't go quietly, the guards are more numerous, better armed and better armoured than them. The choice is stark. End up in the infirmary with your victims or back in your cell with light duties for the month. More than that, the guards that bet on the winners and win money will seek them out and proffer rewards. The chance to record a message to send home, contraband goods, fresh food, etc. Those messages home are vetted of course, but enough clues have escaped the censors to spread rumours about this sport and the inmates' nickname for the correctional detention colony, Grindbone. Until recently, the authorities have turned a blind eye to this illegal activity on behalf of the staff at Grindbone. As long as the ore kept coming from the mines of G71B, the company, and by extension the government, were happy with any incentive programmes that the governor might choose to run. But recently, production has not been meeting quota. Governor Mitchell is under pressure. Within the last few weeks, a company operative called Cornelius has arrived with a team of scientists and a strange, cryogenically stored cargo. They took over one of the infirmaries, complete with three of its patients, and now Cornelius is pressuring Mitchell to turn the regular grindbone tournament into what she describes as a scientific study. Thanks, Matt. That was excellent. Um, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting, but I I love the idea of this uh, detention colony. Uh, I had real visions of, um, I don't know why, but a, a Shawshank Redemption of the the cells with the cell door being open. And uh, when I was when I was listening to that, yeah, I must admit, I was thinking along those lines. In terms, yeah. you know, you know, in British prisons, our cell door is a big, heavy steel thing. Yep. Uh, and in a lot of the prisons we see on American movies, at least, I don't know whether it's the case, it's more often a, just a set of bars that slides across automatically. Yeah. I visited Alcatraz when I was a kid and they're fixed in my brain. <laughs> so it's those that I'm imagining. Yeah. Particularly because then we could put horrors in some of those cells that people <laughs> could see uh, and run away from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And... It makes it a more open plan prison, which I think works well for the uh, for the competition that the guards run uh, and the scientific study that 
they're going to run now yes. that um, company operative Cornelius has arrived with a team of scientists. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what's. Now, I wonder what's in that cryogenically stored cargo. Hmm. What well, could it be? <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, um, yes. yes. Excellent. So, in terms Good. of Grindbone, it's going to. It, well, actually, there's one thing. Yes, it's a little bit more open plan. It's not as open plan as I first designed it, though. So I, I've made some sketches. I'm hoping to map it all out nicely cool. on some software. But nice. uh, my first plan was really open plan. And then I thought, hold on, that means the alien can get... Uh, sorry. <laughs> that, <coughs> edit, 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 edit that out. Edit everywhere that out. is... <laughs> slightly too accessible and so uh it, it won't be quite as open plan as yes. you would imagined but um but yeah that's the feel i wanted to have these sort of great halls and great long corridors and um now for, now for those of you who didn't get to uh dragon meet last year or didn't listen to uh, our podcast about the grindbone tournament there uh, the way this will work is uh we will run um three qualifying rounds for want of a better phrase when um, three groups of prisoners will be let out and the survivors will then go through to the final round. Um, so if you want to play in that, uh, naturally uh, on that basis, the, the number of places, seats around the table are going to be limited. So come and find me and Matthew, um, this is another slight little reveal, at the Free League stand because we will be running uh, the Free League stand for Thomas and the guys at Dragon Meet completely. So come and find us there in Trade Hall number two. And you can sign up for for this game, but come early because I suspect the seats will get filled very quickly. Pretty quickly. The other thing will be that if you do go through to the second round, you need to be available to come back uh, and obviously sit in that and play that. Um, but also bear in mind that Alien is a deadly game, and each round is is going to have to be quite short, maximum of about thirty minutes. So it's possible you could die really quickly. There will be no second characters in this. But if you want a chance to play and a chance to survive and a chance to win the prize that Thomas Herrenstam of Free League has uh, has uh, has committed to donate, which will be a limited edition rulebook for Alien. If you want a chance to win that prize, then that's the risk you'll have to take. Yeah. So if you missed the pre-order for Alien and have been excited about it, uh, this is probably just about the only way you're going to get your hands on the limited edition cover for Alien. Yeah, I think it's um, really important to say that there won't be Alien books for sale at Dragon Meat, simply because the, the game won't have officially launched by then. The official launch date is the 10th of December, so we won't be able to sell uh, any of the Alien books, uh, unfortunately. Yes. We will be handing them out to uh, to pre-order customers that mm. have already told Free League that they want to pick them up at Dragon Meat, however. Yes. Um, and on that note, um, the deadline for uh, emailing Thomas and uh, the email to, 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 to mail is on the latest uh, Free League Alien newsletter. Um, the deadline for that was yesterday. But we've spoken to Thomas this morning and because we are putting out this podcast and talking about it, he's agreed to extend that deadline to 12 o'clock GMT on Monday. So if you haven't emailed Thomas at Free League yet to say, I want to pick up my game at Dragon Meat, then, um, and you want to, do that before 12 o'clock GMT on Monday, and you'll go on the list, and you'll be able to pick your items up from us at Dragon Meat, which would be cool. 
Which will be cool and saves postage. Saves you the postage, yep. The other thing, just to say, is you will need to bring uh, photographic proof uh, of your identity. We're not going to hand out anything to somebody who we can't 100% guarantee is the right person. So please do that. Please don't be disappointed if we don't hand it out because uh, you haven't brought the right ID. Um, The last thing I want to do is accidentally give somebody's game to the wrong person. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make sure I'm no. giving it to the right person. So bring photo ID. You're very security conscious, Dave. That's I am, but the worst, the worst of all things would be that I, you know, I give it to somebody else um, because I've taken them on, you know, on faith, and they've been a bit sneaky, and the real yeah. people don't get their book. That would be the absolute worst thing. I know how bad I would feel if that happened to me. No, it'd be so. the absolutely worst thing if you, you know, if you've said uh, on social media or something, "Hooray, I'm going to pick up my uh, my copy of Alien at Dragon Meat." And somebody knows your name and they come before you've arrived and say, hey, here I am. Can yeah. I have my copy? Yeah. And then you turn up and we've already given it to somebody else. That would be a horrible yeah. thing. And also, so just that, again, yeah. just, to, just to stress also, strictly, it'll only be people whose name are on the list that Thomas gives us that we will hand things out to. So make sure you've mailed Thomas before 12 o'clock GMT on Monday. If your name isn't on the list, we won't be giving it out. You ain't coming in. No. Terribly sorry, but get yourself... Uh, on that list, and we will give you your games at Dragon Meat. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Really good. Um, as I say, uh, uh, we won't be selling Alien because it's not for sale yet, but we will be selling uh, a bunch of other Free League games yeah, as well on the absolutely. Free League stand throughout the day. Um, and so that's something that you might want to come and have a chat with us about. Yeah, and uh, we will be there all day, um, one or both of us. Um, if you want to talk about Alien, um, you you may not know, but Matt and I uh, have writing credits in the game. We are responsible for Hope's Last Day, the scenario in the book. And I did a bit of extra writing as well um, around the xenomorphs and some of their stats and the rules you about how they were. I did. I know. I mean, how bloody lucky was I to get that opportunity? Um, so, so, of course, uh, you know, we, we have if you a- are picking up your copy from us and you'd like a, a, an autograph, well, I'm sure <laughs> Dave will... Uh, well, I, Dave I, will be happy to sign your book. For I, would, you. I would just like to stress that we are... Only two very small contributors to uh, a very wide group of people who contributed a lot more than us to this game, but totally delighted to have that opportunity um, to to contribute. I'm sure you'll and, leave space for the other and the see other and see my name on the credits well. thing. I mean, how great is that? <laughs> but yeah, if you want to talk about it, come and come and talk to about talk to us about it. There is quite a long origin story to that scenario, which uh, Matt and I would be more than happy to talk through um, yes. and give you some insight into. Just actually talking about, uh, I remember thinking about all the characters we generated for, uh, well, for scenarios that preceded that and which ones got in and which ones got cut. Yeah. The last Grindbone, we, part, of the, part of the fun was generating your own character using Legends and Adventurers. I just thought we ought to say there'll be pre-generated characters at this Grindbone. Yes. Um, because we're going to get through a few of them. Yeah, and uh, and we're not going to have we're not going to have time, frankly, with everything else that we're doing, um, yes. to be able to sit down with people and, and generate characters like we did last time. And that was that was quite hard work, actually. That took up a lot of time. Great fun, yeah. really good. I enjoyed doing um, it, but it was a lot of work. But yeah. it was a lot of work. Uh, yeah. The other thing to talk about is we've agreed to help coordinate any GMs out there who are coming to Dragon Meet to uh, run Alien. Um, we've only got one yeah. or two people we know who've spoken to us that are intending to come and do that. But if you are um, and you would like our support and help, 
then um, you'll need to sign up through Dragon Meat in the usual way to book yourself the table and, and guarantee your place and your time. But we can help you with um, other stuff to support your game. So get in touch with us if you intend to do that and you get yourself signed up and we will do what we can to uh, to help you out on the day. Yeah, I think there's going to be quite a buzz around Alien because people will be getting their copies in the post. If not exactly at that time, then shortly afterwards, it goes on sale on the 10th of December. So it'll be a buzzy time. You'll get loads of players, I'm yes, sure, wanting absolutely. to sign up for your game if you... Uh, if you run it, we got loads of players when we were doing it at UKGE. Well, um, at the game, we can't at, do it ourselves. At the Games Expo, just to just to hammer that 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 point home, we had uh, fifteen sessions over three days, and yep. by, by about eleven thirty on the first day, every slot and most of the reserve slots were taken. So it yes. was it was immensely popular, was popular as we expected, and I expect it will be immensely popular as Matt says. Um, at, at Dragon Meat as well. So it'd be really good. We really want to encourage anybody that wants to give it a go, GMing there um, uh, at, at the game, uh, to get in touch with Dragon Meat, sign themselves up as a GM, and then get in touch with us. And um, if you... The scenario in the core book would be an excellent one to run as a... Uh, as a, as a Convention game, yep. Uh, hopefully people that are pre-ordered will already have their core books by this or their at least the pdf of their core book by this time but if that doesn't happen we will get you that scenario by hook or by crook so that you can run it <laughs> yeah you can grok it in advance and run it on the day yep and yeah and i know that thomas and the guys at freely would be really grateful for uh for you running it there yes but, that's not to say that if you, you want to run a different freely game, still get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to promote your game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we love all of the freely games. And so, yeah, if you're planning on running anything else at Dragon Meat, then, um, then yeah, just drop us a line as well. Definitely. I think the only other thing to mention is uh, obviously the Grindbone 2183 um, tournament is being run as part of the podcast zone. We will be doing what we can to support that, even though we will be um, representing Free League on their stand. Um, we will have some extra support, so Matt and I, we have spend some time down in the podcast zone. Um, encourage everyone to go down and talk to your favourite podcasters. Um, obviously, you know, us first, of course, but then... Um, yeah, come and talk to us any, first. But... Anybody else, obviously, it's, it's always a good... It's it's a good... Uh, it's a good setup, and it's a good opportunity to chat through... Uh, stuff with a lot of really interesting um, and uh, you know talented podcasters down there, which is great. Yeah, the other and thing... all all of the podcasts will be doing uh, their own things and recording stuff yep. uh, uh, during the day. So go and check out the podcast zone. Um, one of the things that disappointed me last time about being on the podcast zone, Dave, uh. was we didn't have one of those lovely roll up banners that all the other podcasts seem to have touting their brand if only we had some lovely patrons and friends who were contributing and helping us buy one of these things oh we do <laughs> you so, sport my story i know i you know sport my story Dave. Go on, yeah, finish your story with, then. The, with the support of our patrons yes. we have got one of those banners now so Ooh, that'll yeah. be flying or or standing, standing. <laughs> yes <laughs> at the at, either at the podcast end or maybe we can sneak it onto the free league stand so you know where we're where we are but yeah where, whichever way it'll be there uh we'll also have some badges that i've just ordered as well excellent to hand out so come and have a chat with us as well as talking to the guys on the podcast end. yeah 
That's are we cool. done with dragon meat? I think we are. Yeah, I think that's probably okay. all we can I'll use tell you what, though, We have been talking about dragon meat to people as though everybody's already coming to dragon meat. But if you're in the area at the end of the month, uh, end of November, that is, the 30th of November, or 29th? 30th. No, 30th, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The 30th of November in London, and, you, and you've not been to dragon meat before, it's great. It there's is. There's loads really of good. games yeah. to play. There's games you can book on if you want to, but there's also very often a sort of games on demand thing we can just turn up and play. Yep. <clears throat> there's mostly role playing games, but there's board games as well. All the big traders are there. Uh, it's run by the guys from Modifia, so they've got an enormous stand and they, they often launch something special there. But all the other traders are there Pelgrane Press, Free oh, League yeah. with us. All sorts of people. Well worth making the trip to. It's in Hammersmith. It's in Hammersmith in West London. At the Novotel. Easy to get to, and a great time. Yeah, and it's and, and it's growing. It's growing and growing every year. So this year, uh, I don't think last year they had a second trade hall, but this year they do because there's so many people uh, who want. Do you know to come. where that second trade hall is? That's up on the upper floor, isn't it? Where the games rooms are. Or it's is... where we were in the podcast. Ah, okay, it's taken over. Ah, right, that makes sense, doesn't it? Oh, well, even yeah. better. Are we right in the centre of it? Perfect. Yeah. You, well, actually, that works really well. Where's the podcast going? Zone going then? I don't know where the podcast zone's going. Okay. <laughs> um, they you? might be in the trade hall as well, but yeah, that if you remember, that was the podcast zone and a bunch of kind of spare tables. Oh, sort of pick up group tables. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't think there was anything else apart from us there. Maybe one or two other stands, but but now it's the second trade hall, cool. so it'll be heaving. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Cool. Well, look forward to seeing um, as many of you uh, as who can make it uh, there on the 30th of November. Should be should be a great day. And that's enough about dragon meat. Yeah. What have you brought to the table today? Well, I've uh, I, I was, I've been thinking um, a lot about games that are, are are high profile for free league at the moment, and you're talking about Forbidden Lands. You're talking about Alien. You're talking about um, Tales from the Loop, which you know, obviously won a complete swathe of awards year before last, um, and I, I was also thinking about how many games that Free League actually produce, and there's a lot of games that come out and um, seem to sort of never get their moment in the sunshine, um, always in the shadow of these other games because they've picked up a sort of greater publicity or greater energy behind them, and um, We've been doing our Why Play series. Um, we did um, Mutant Year Zero, didn't we? And I think we did something else as well, I seem to think. So this might be the third one. And I thought, you know, Tales from the Flood, um, Things from the Flood, not Tales from the Flood. Uh, it's very easy to get Things those two, flood, yeah. two mixed up. Things from the Flood, the effectively the, the, the sequel game to Tales from the Loop, um, was one of those games where it, it appeared... And then it kind of felt to me like it disappeared. So I wanted to try and bang the drum for this outstanding game, actually. I think I'm sort of foreshadowing what I'm going to say in my piece in a moment. <laughs> um, but uh, So I wanted to do a Why Play Things from the Flood. No one would be surprised if a newcomer to Free League took one look and went, Forbidden Lands, wow! Tales from the Loop, whoop! An alien RPG, how amazing! And they wouldn't be wrong to do so. The guys at Free League have made some wonderful and genre trend-setting games that have rightly won many awards, 
and set the RPG community afire with anticipation. But not only that, they have been prodigious in their publishing pace, with many other games coming out in the last few years too. Notable examples are Mutant Genlab Alpha and Mutant Mechatron, two wonderful standalone but expansion games following on from Mutant Year Zero. Another that seems to have launched into the shadows of Free League's higher profile publications, and that I fear may have suffered as a result, is Things from the Flood, the sequel game that takes Tales from the Loop from the 1980s of the kids to the 90s of the teens. I'm going to spend the next few minutes trying to convince you to put your copy of Forbidden Lands aside, just for a moment, and pick up this outstanding game. It's the 1990s, and you're a teenager, battling the angst of a 16-year-old nerd, the worries of the 17-year-old rocker girl, and the expectations on the 15-year-old princess or sports jock. Life is full of demands, petty conflict, and boredom. But while Fight Club and The Blair Witch Project are on at the cinema, Twin Peaks and The X-Files are on telly, and that nerd and his mates are playing D&D, Vampire the Masquerade or Feng Shui, this version of the 90s is very different from ours. There are wonders. Robots are commonplace, and your parents are as likely to be the local robot repair service than local electricians. There are magnetrine ships, lumbering blimps that use Earth's magnetic fields to creep at a snail's pace around the planet. And then there's the loop, from Tales from the Loop. Yes, it's still there, but something has gone badly wrong. Few heard the blast, for it was deep underground. But no one could miss the whir of helicopters in the morning mist, speeding towards that enormous plume of smoke. People suspect the government has had a hand in some terrible experiment that spiralled out of control. The loop has flooded, been evacuated and sealed up tight, although some claim to see lights in the highest reaches of the cooling towers that still dominate the landscape. The company running it, Rick's Energy, has been bought up by the Crafter Corporation, and threats and conspiracy theories abound. As I said, you play a teen in the 90s. And for those of you like me, who was a teen in the 90s, this game is a wonderful nostalgia trip with a twist. Things from the Flood uses Free League's tried-and-tested Year Zero game engine, and adds an even greater collaborative element to it. As you'd expect, creating your teen is a collaborative joy, building connections and frictions into your group from the outset. But playing the game is also a more collaborative experience, in the vein of Tales from the Loop. Players are encouraged to use their imagination and narrate parts of the story themselves. This really comes into its own when the players focus on the mundane moments in their teenager's life, where their stilted relationship with their parents, or dodging their local bullies, or cheating on homework, are all played out in short scenes that add a wonderful element of roleplay colour to the whole experience, and that throw the main story, investigating the threats that the grown-ups can't or won't see, into sharp relief. These threats can be anything you like. The core book does what Free League is very good at. It gives you the mystery landscape, a chapter of background material and lots of scenario hooks you can roll into any game you like, as you like. And four introductory scenarios to get you playing straight away. You can throw your teens straight into the action, where they have to dodge the demands of everyday life, parents, school, homework, 
teams and clubs, and the normal hardships of being a teenager, while they investigate the threats and conspiracies that they think only they can see. <laughs> Suddenly, a phrase from a well-known TV cartoon springs to mind. And I'd have gotten away with it if it weren't for those darned kids. Thinking back, one of the things I thought I wouldn't like about Tales from the Loop, the fact that the kids can't die, which, as an aside, I really loved when I played Tales, as it fits the style and feel of that game perfectly, has been changed for things from the flood. The teens can still suffer conditions, upset, scared, exhausted and injured, and suffering a condition is also the cost of pushing your role. However, they can also be broken in the same way as other Year Zero games. But instead of suffering a critical hit, as you would in Mutant Year Zero or Forbidden Lands, your team takes a scar when they are broken. These are then listed on your character sheet, a short narrative description based on the way you were broken, and by which stat. Examples could be things like, Mum wishes I'd never been born. I hear voices at night. And an angry claw scar on my cheek. As these scars build up, your teen risks being taken out of the game permanently, until you reach six scars, when your teen is doomed, their fate determined by the story that's played out. This could be their death, but they may just disappear, never to be seen again. It could be that they suffer such terrible mental trauma they are hospitalised, or their parents decide to move far, far away and take the teen with them. They might end up in foster care. But whatever their fate may be, the character is out of the game, and you need to find a new teen to play. I really love this solution to the problem of making things from the flood darker than Tales from the Loop, but without making it a visceral game of horror where teenagers, who aren't kids anymore but aren't yet adults, can suffer terrible fates. This approach that allows your group to embrace the darkest of stories if it wants to, while giving you the scope to remove characters in less terrible ways, is a beautifully subtle touch I hadn't really grasped until I was writing this piece. There's so much more I could say about this brilliant game, but times are wasting. I will say, though, that this game conjures images from lots of cultural references. A heady potion of Stephen King's The Mist and It, mixed with a computer game Half-Life, and movies like The Breakfast Club, as well as the postmodern B-movies of my childhood, Piranha, The Swarm, The Fog, and The Lost Boys, to name just a few. And if nothing else, go and look up Simon Stollenhag's artwork. Like picking up things from the flood and giving it a go, you will not regret it. Dave. <laughs> what? I hate it when you How start. How old by... were you in 1990? Because I know I was 23. Uh, I, th- I think you've spotted my deliberate mistake. Uh, I, I would have just been 20. So not 19. Just been 20? How old are you now? You've had your 50th birthday yeah, now, I would, I would and been, I'm still I would 52. Have been, I would have been three months into my 20th year when 1990 started. So you were not a teenager in the no, 90s? No, I was not. I felt like one. Obviously, that's what it was. <laughs> you know, I, I still feel like one half the time when I'm not aching and being grumpy. But you weren't a teenager. No, you don't I, know what it I was wasn't. like being a teenager in the 90s, man. <laughs> no, maybe not. But nearly, nearly, nearly. Okay. Well, anyway. apart from giving you about that, that's uh, that's really made me want to play Things from the Flood. It's not actually a game that we've had a chance to play at all. Mm. I guess because I've been waiting for you to run it and we've been 
just we've had so many games. I know. So many games we've been wanting to do. Mad, um, the mad. thing though, it you know, I, I kick started things from the flood and I kind of uh glanced through it. I only got the PDF on that one because I knew you you'd be the man to run it. You know, a lot of it is a familiar because it's a lot like Tales from the Loop. Yeah. But there are some things. Obviously the big thing is you can die in things from the flood. Yeah. But you've just sold it to me all over again because <laughs> I, I hadn't twigged before now that this scar system that they've got yeah. is great, by the way. I love it. I love the idea it's of it, yeah. Very narrative. And in fact, I came across it before. You've heard me sing the praises of the um, Powered by the Apocalypse game, The Warren. Yes, yeah. And in that game, basically, your rabbit, if it loses a fight, it gets a scar, which mm. you describe just as you do in Things of Flood. I can't quite remember how many scars you can get before you're dead. Not many, because you're only a rabbit. But, um, <laughs> yeah. You, you, I, love that. I love that mechanic there. And I kind of had read it, but I hadn't acknowledged it in my mm. head when I'd looked at things in the flood so you've really made me want to play it now. yeah cool now i was the same i mean i, I i'd read it before and I, I hadn't really twigged until i was looking at it again um writing the writing the essay but i i, I really like that because it's it makes a really nice balance between not allowing them to die at all but not just having their head blown off with you know a stray bullet or something um because we must remember these are still teenagers these are sort of 15 16 17 years old and um, you might not want to play a game where you see what is still, you know, n- not an adult um, have some very terrible things happen to them. So I think uh, I think they get that. It, it's I think the way I put it in the piece, it's beautifully subtle, the way this will work. Um, I mean, in terms of the scar thing, you can reach six scars in this game, but if you reach six, you're definitely dead. You're or you're definitely out of out of the the campaign because um, every time you get a scar, you roll a dice, and if you roll um, after you've had one, that is, if you roll equal to or less than, then that takes you out in whatever narrative way you want it to be. Um, so you could easily go out if you've only got two scars. If you roll a one, mm. uh, you're in, you're in deep trouble. But I, but I, you know, I like it. It's it, you don't have um, uh, critical hit tables telling you about how badly mangled you are, because again, it could be a fifteen or a fourteen year old, and you might not want to play a game where you see. What is still a very young, very potentially vulnerable person having some very bad things happen to them? So, I mean, if your group wants to play it that way and have a really hard edge to it, great, that's fine. You've got the option to do that. But um, if you don't, this system, I think, allows you to. Um, you know, I think one of the examples is that um, you know the kid is uh, you know is mentally traumatized by what they've seen, so their parents move away. So actually, the long mm. the longer story for that character could be really positive, but in terms yeah. of the campaign, that character's or dead as far as the campaign is 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 concerned. And I like that. I really like that. I think that's very special. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and also, I was just thinking. I uh, I I've been listening to that after uh, just having a conversation on Discord with our patrons. And one of our patrons, Andy, who you interviewed in our last yeah. episode, yeah. was talking about really wanting a system where he felt he could play uh, a game based on the books by Susan Cooper uh, called The Dark is Rising. Mm, yeah. And I actually thought this would be a great system for that. If we could work out some sort of loosey-goosey narrative magic <laughs> um, folklore 
system for it that would work really well. Well, I've never read those books, so I um, I, I can only kind of kind of guess what. So you have no opinion on the matter, obviously. Uh, well, I have an opinion on on everything, whether I should or not. Frankly, what's the are, are they quite dark? Those books? Do, do, do the well, they, do the kids are. die? They're in surprisingly them? dark. For you know, these books written in the I think the sixties and seventies. Um, Susan Cooper's an American, but they're all set in the UK. She lived and worked here for some time and fell in love, I think, with the kind of Dorset, Cornwall area. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of folklore from around there. Um, of course, the other author of the time that, that feels as dark is, did you read any Alan Garner books? Don't think so, no. Gah, you're... You were out there playing rugby all the time in your youth. I did you play. Being a nerd like me and stayed at home reading books. I did read quite a lot of books there, but I, I James Herbert and Stephen King, um, uh-huh. I guess, uh, and a few others like that. Jack Womack, but uh, no, not these ones because I, I never really read teen fiction, even when I was a teen. Yeah, I you know I. For whatever reason, it never really appealed to me. It might appeal to me a of lot more. Of course, it was a thing that now, I mean, perhaps. in in back back when we were teenagers in the eighties. Remember, eighties <laughs> we were teenagers. Um, te- teen fiction didn't really exist. Of course, these books were classed as children's books. Yeah, but but they kind of weren't. They were, um, you know, they, I think you'd be that, a bit yeah. traumatized if you were seven and reading them. I don't know, <laughs> maybe not. Um, and so they, you know, they did appeal to me in my early teens quite a lot. And they mm. really, more than stuff like Lord of the Rings, got me into the hobby of, of role-playing. That I'm, uh, okay, that I'm yeah. Now. Um, so, you know, maybe you should check them out. Uh, get a license off Alan Garner and Susan Cooper and do uh, British folktale. Do, um, do a year zero yeah, hack zero of them, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's finish the one we've started already, shall we, first? Yeah, we go let's do, do the Western one. first. <laughs> cool. Uh, and so we come to the end of the programme, don't we? We do. This is quite a short one, quite a short one for us, isn't it, actually? Well, we've, we haven't wasted much time, um, so this might come in under an hour. But uh, what are we doing next episode? Well, next episode, uh, we are doing something that we promised in the last episode, which is an alien special. Uh, which will come out ooh, 10 days or so before Dragon Meat, um, and about the time when all you pre-order um, uh, customers are getting your books and are hopefully revving up to uh, to play at lots of Alien. And, I mean, the key thing we're going to focus on is talking in a bit more depth about how to GM and some tips around GMing Alien as a game. But we'll probably spread our wings a bit further than that, but it will be an Alien special. Alien special, yeah, and it will be, I think, targeted not so much to our current listeners, although of course you're um, very warmly invited to it. But uh, you know, we did notice the reason we thought about this a couple of episodes ago, actually, when you did your top tips, yep, was we'd seen a lot of people on social media who weren't role players but were so excited by the alien idea that they'd bought the book and they were looking forward to um, giving it a go. And so this is kind of for them, yeah. But I think you know. We can all learn something, can't we? Very Even much. old hands like you can probably learn something about GMing, Dave. Even those of us who were past their teens when 1990 came around might be able to learn something, absolutely. Always learning, yeah. Cool. So uh, that's what we're doing next week, or next, in next about time. three weeks' time. Yep. Tune in for that. Until then, it's goodbye from me. 
And it's goodbye from me. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing.